back, listeners, and thanks for tuning into the Fancy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. And by my side, producer JP Gale. For today's show, we'll break the norm and have two guests on. First, NFL Network anchor and Emmy Award-winning news and sports journalist James Coe. Then one of our most accurate experts so far this season, Greg Smith of 2QBs.com. We'll be diving into their thoughts on the upcoming week and answering some questions from the listener mailbag. If you want your questions to be considered for the mailbag, you can tweet me at BobbyFantasyPro or email me. Bobby at fantasypros.com. Also a reminder, we still have the My Playbook Ultimate Package sweepstakes going on. The Ultimate Package is our top tier of goodies, so you'll definitely want to win this. All you have to do to enter, subscribe and review on iTunes, then copy-paste it into an email to me again. That's Bobby at fantasypros.com. All right, on to some fantasy football. Hi, James. Thanks for coming on again. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Like I said, anytime you guys need me, I'm available. James, this NFL season has been a blast, uh, but it sure is humbling when players like Marvin Jones and Stephon Diggs are proving me wrong. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that folks weren't on the whole. Look, Marvin Jones's draft price was skyrocketing the closer we got to, to kick off, yeah. and, and rightfully so. Um, I, I was obviously extremely high on him. I mean, even I think uh, I think about four months ago, as soon as he signed there. Um, and I just looked at the target share that he was walking into. I mean, I knew the talent level was there. I knew he fit a role and I knew he was going to get the opportunities. It just, it, it made too much sense to me. Yeah. I, I remember you saying that and, uh, I was buying into it, but I just thought he's going too high in his ATPs and I'm not sure I can afford that. I don't know if it makes sense to me, but man, I was wrong. Well, I mean, like, like I said, I, sometimes you got to throw ADP out the window for guys that you like. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. and Marvin Jones was one of those guys for me. I know I was reaching for him in round six, but, you know, and I have him, I have like seven teams and I have him on every single team. That's amazing. And, and I love it. <laughs> well, injuries have been making me look bad too. We just found out another one today with Des Bryant having a hairline right. fracture in his knee. They're saying one to three weeks, but I mean, we know how these things can end up, right? What's your take, James? Well, you know, I, I love the coach speak of like, well, he's day to day. It's like Adrian Peterson <laughs> blew out his knee. Well, he's day to day. Look, I mean, if you're if you're saying that, then I guess in a way we're all day to day. Yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, come on. Uh, it's just it's ridiculous. There's there's no way he's playing this week. I, and and given his history of injuries. Why would you trot this guy out even in three weeks? I don't get it. He he is. I thought he came back way too soon uh, with that with that foot fracture, and he kind of limped through all of last season. I get the Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, but to bring him, but to bring Dez along sooner than need be, and keep in mind they did sign him to a pretty fat contract. Yeah, doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me. I I would just like to see him sit out six to seven weeks. See where the Dallas Cowboys are at at that point. And if they're out of it, forget it. Sit them for the rest of the year. Bring them back fully healthy. Um, I, I really hope Des doesn't come back too soon. It's one of these things that it just sounds like um, these are injuries that are compounding on top of each other. So basically, he's day-to-day or his career might be over, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his career is I mean, <laughs> yeah. no. Look. The thing, the thing about Dez is that he is such a tough guy, and I get it that he had a foot fracture, and now he's got a hairline fracture in his knee. But, man, 
I mean, we saw, first of all, he fractured the knee in the first quarter. The dude came back and caught a touchdown. Isn't it amazing? It is so crazy. It's insane. So, no, his career's not over. He, he's good. <laughs> He'll be good to go. Um, and like I said, I, I'd love to see him sit out about six to eight and, and, yeah. and really get healthy. All right, let's dive into our week four rankings. And what we're going to do is I see we're going to see where James is compared to our expert consensus rankings. That's the combined rankings from 139 experts for week four. And oh my god! I don't think I have rankings. No, you don't have rankings this year. I was uh, I was looking for them because I really like to see you know what you think since you were right on so many things this preseason. But uh, it's not too late to jump in. Uh, anyway, we have 139 experts for week four. You can follow along by pulling it open. Just go to our homepage, click on the week four rankings just under the yellow fantasy tools banner. And uh, you can see where it stacks up. So we're going to start out the quarterback position and our expert consensus rankings. Um, you know, it shows guys like Joe Flacco, who's usually around 17, 18, all the way up at 11. So, James, who's a guy that's kind of on the cusp this week of uh, starter sit that you really like? You know, I, I love the fact that you brought up Joe Flacco. Um, I think Oakland is really playing or at least from what I saw in week three they're playing a little bit better um I know they've you know Khalil Mack has been you know pretty much a non-factor on the defense I I just gotta think that's gonna change I, I know Joe Flacco is still a very strong play there's no team that's given up more uh passing yards at least my, at least from what I understand than Oakland um and that may have changed after the Monday night game but uh going before the Monday night game no, no team had given up more um you know passing yards than Oakland and, and they just looked abysmal in the secondary but I think Joe Flacco is at least on paper a very strong play I know Dak Prescott just lost Des Bryant but uh, just considering the pace of play there uh, against San Francisco I think San Francisco is still going to be able to put up some points Dallas's defense is not great I, I know at least on paper they they've shown to be better than they look like but I, I still think personnel wise I think they're a little bit below average um, San Francisco is going to put up some points. Um, and I think Dak Prescott and that Dallas offense is, are, are going to have to match um, score for score. So I think Dak Prescott, what, at uh, at number 15 here uh, at San Francisco, I think he's per, uh, still a pretty strong play. I know Eli Manning's got, you know, some name value. Um, but, I mean, we're at the point in the season now, and even going back into last season, where if you're playing anybody against Minnesota – I just don't know you can do it, uh, really, right. honestly. I mean, even Cam Newton was stifled uh, considerably uh, against Minnesota, and, and we're talking about one of the most consistent, one of the best uh, fantasy producers at the quarterback position. I, I like Eli Manning. I came into the season saying he's a lot to be a top 10 guy. I still believe that. I think he's going to still push uh, as a number five or six fantasy quarterback to finish the season, given the, the NFC East. But I just think this week, I just don't think you can play him uh, on the road against Minnesota. I already mentioned Flacco, but for me, there's two other guys that really stand out. Kirk Cousins at home against Cleveland. Look, I know Kirk Cousins hasn't been great, but, you know, he does have some weapons and he's at home. I it's think a he's definitely play. 100%. Yeah, I think it's a strong play, a top 10 play. And I think a lot of people are probably going to be scared off by starting him. But don't hesitate this week. It's a it's the best matchup he can have all season. I would totally 100% agree with that. I, I, I do think, though, that there is one trap game out there, and I think it's Blake Bortles against Indianapolis. Um, a lot of folks drafted Blake Bortles to be their every week starter. He looks awful. I mean, the bottom line is Blake Bortles looks horrendous. 
Um, and I know Indianapolis's defense is all kinds of banged up. Um, but, you know, again, just look, they're going to, they're playing, you know, overseas or whatever it might be. They're playing at some, at a crazy weird time. I just think it's going to get off to a slow start. You know, I think they're going to try to lean on the run game and, and the defense. I, I just, Blake Bortles is a top 10 ranked quarterback going into week four. I just don't buy it. I just think he's, and I know the paper matchup looks good, but I, I just cannot get around the fact of real life football of the fact that Blake Bortles looks terrible. Yeah, and, yeah he really does. And I just can't buy in. Now, one player that hasn't looked terrible uh, is Matt Ryan. And yeah, he's going up against Carolina's defense, but their secondary is not very impressive this year. And True. I get it. They have a really good pass rush. But whose offensive line besides the Cowboys is better than the Falcons? I think they'll be able to protect Matt Ryan, and I think he'll have a surprisingly big game at home against Carolina. Well, I tell you what, it's a great against-the-grain DFS play if you want to go there. I know that Matt Ryan should be had at a, at a relatively good, decent value at the quarterback yeah. position, so I don't hate it. Um, I also think Trevor Simeon, who's down here you know, in the you know, quarterback low-end, quarterback two range, I'm eyeing that one too. Um, you know, at Tampa Bay, what I've noticed of Tampa Bay's defense is that they want to f- try and basically stop the run. And they're asking teams to kind of beat them through the air. Um, and teams have been obliging. So, <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm from what I saw last week and even from week one, I, you know, people were saying, well, Trevor Simeon, you know, he's not that great. I, I get it. He's not, but. Um, his pocket presence to me has been pretty impressive. I, I really like the fact that he's able to kind of dance around in there and still fire uh, short and intermediate range throws. He's not a great deep ball thrower. I think we all understand that. But this offense is geared for short and intermediate throws anyways. And I think that's why Trevor Simeon got the start. Um, and against Tampa Bay, I'm not scared, man. I, I think he's going to vastly – I think he will be pushing top 12 production at the position. James, let's jump over to running back right now. And I'm looking at these rankings and with all the injuries that we have and and some of these matchups this week, it just makes me want to vomit. If I I don't have a top 20 guy, like I don't want to play anyone. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon versus new Orleans is an incredibly strong play. Um, I think, look, I really, truly, honestly believe, I think Zeke Elliott's going to be your RB one in week four against San Francisco. They they have not shown a, a penchant to be able to stop the run. I think Zeke is starting to figure out the pace of the game, um, speed of the defense. To me, in week one, he was just trying to gain positive yards. Whatever it was is just go get positive yards. And it wasn't like, hey, go look for the game breakers. I feel like he's starting to start looking for those game breakers now. And that's what we saw at Ohio State. His patience and burst through the hole was special. And I think we saw that in the preseason game against Seattle. Um, we haven't seen, we didn't see in the first couple of weeks. We started seeing a little bit more of that in week three. I think here in week four against San Francisco, again, San Francisco is not great. And they run so many plays. It just, it's going to give Zeke more opportunities. And clearly, good Lord, he got such a huge work share in week three. Clearly, the coaching staff is comfortable giving him the rock 30 times. Um, if I really, truly, honestly believe he's going to be the number one overall running back in week four. I'm right with you. I have him number one running back rest of the season over, even over Le'Veon Bell and uh, all these guys who have got off to better starts than Ezekiel Elliott. I I, I trust him. I trust his talent. I trust that offensive line. I trust the schedule. He has so many things going for him. 
we talk about, down. We, we talk about Love Bell very quickly, um, and yeah. I've been getting a lot of, of questions. Should I start Love Bell? I mean, obviously, look, obviously you're going to start Love Bell. First of all, Pittsburgh at home, uh, for whatever reason, uh, whatever real or trend re- – I hate trends, but whatever real reason you have, real football reasons, Pittsburgh at home is so much better than they are on the yeah. road. And I don't know why that is, but it's true. I think Love Bell is a strong play. Now, that being said – Look, I know he's the starter. What is absolutely ridiculous to assume that he's going to get, you know, 25 to 30 touches. I, like, I see that he's ranked number two overall in fantasy pros this week in week four. I just don't, I don't know. Like, for me, I, 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 it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I guess, from a logical standpoint. Although Mike Tomlin has, you know, obviously leaned upon his running backs very, very heavily. Well, I don't get how you just cast aside D'Angelo Williams and just say, forget it. Uh, and we're just going to give Lev Bell the ball 30 times. I, I just don't understand that. So I think he, I think he'll be a strong, play. I think he's fine. You have to start him. There's no question, but is he a top two running back this week? I don't buy it. That's nuts to me. Yeah. It really is crazy. Uh, Mike Tomlin's on the record saying we're going to see a lot of him this week, but does a lot of them mean like more than zero or does it mean <laughs> like a full slate? Right. Uh, so moving on down the list, one guy that I am fond of this week, we saw Duke Johnson a little bit last week uh, start to really show why he was being drafted early. He had 10 carries for 69 yards. Right. He's got a nice matchup against Washington, and uh, he's ranked 31 right now. He's a guy that I would not hesitate to start. Um, you know, I, gosh, it's so interesting hearing that you're so you know gung-ho. I, I agree. <laughs> look, look, I agree. You play him. But to say no hesitation – that's tough. I mean, only because Crowell has gotten so much work that it's hard for me to th- see a scenario where Duke Johnson is just out there getting a guaranteed 20 looks. He is, look, he's a talented player and that, that's clear, but the team also just, I don't know, for whatever reason, they love Isaiah Crowell. I, look, I'm a person that has been a Crowell fan since day one. Um, And even when they had Terrence West as a third round pick, I looked at the tape on Terrence West. I looked at the tape at Isaiah Crowell and I said, there is no possible way Crowell is going to sit behind Terrence West. There's just no possible way. Just watching, just looking at the tape um, and looking at the measurables. So I like Crowell. I've been on Isaiah Crowell's bandwagon for a while. That being said, I mean, it really should be more of like a 50-50 split, but man, they are really favoring the Crow. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I'm just, uh, it's hard. I, like, I hope Duke Johnson does well, and I think he will absolutely outperform his 31 rank, but I, I guess I'm just not as confident. No, I, I totally get that. And uh, with Crowell to me, he just reminds me a lot of Mike Wallace in the way that he has all those big plays. But, you know, if you look at everything outside of those couple big plays, yeah, I'm just not very impressed. I, I, I I'm not seeing it. I hear you. No, I, and Cleveland's offense is a mess, anyways. I, I mean, look, I get it. Another guy I want to talk about, Jamal Charles. What what's going on with him this week? Is he startable in fantasy? Spencer Ware with Charles coming back. What do you do with these guys? Um, yeah, I think you start them uh, again, not with great confidence, but you definitely definitely start him. Um, he's been running with the practice uh, team or scout team, I guess, is what they've been saying for the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, Andy Reid has indicated that, you know, JC should be ready to go here in week four. The thing about, the thing about Jamal Charles is that he's a veteran, right? And, and so, like, how much practice reps does he really need? Um, I don't know if he's – and he's also not a guy – first of all, 
he's a guy that's been incredibly productive on limited touches, right? So um, even if he only gets 10 to 12, 12 to 15 touches uh, in the ball game, first of all, that's not even really like that far off from what he normally gets, right? Yeah. So he's been super productive with limited touches. And I see that being the case again here in week four. Um, can I throw one out there? Let's do it. Uh, Theo Riddick. I know that Dwayne Washington uh, was far more productive against Green Bay and is obviously an athletic freak. Um, for those of you who don't know about Dwayne Washington, just look at his measurables. He is an absolute freak. It's frightening, um, isn't it? It's ridiculous. He's huge and he's fast. Um, but that being said, I think his knowledge of the playbook is extremely limited. Uh, the type of plays that he was running off tackle, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I just, you know, I think he's limited in what he, in the plays that he can run. Jim Bob Cooter wants to throw the ball a lot. Uh, if that's the case, Theo Riddick is the guy. Chicago is an extremely good matchup for Theo Riddick. Um, and I just don't, I think Theo Riddick, I know he had a disappointing week three. I think in week four, I think he really comes back in a big time way. I really, really like Theo Riddick this week. I think he's going to be a top 15 guy. I think he'll be pushing for the top 10. That's pushing it. That That is pushing it. But I do like Riddick this week a lot. I mean, you look at it, he's going to get 10 carries. That's what's been happening uh, since Amir Abdullah got hurt. And he's already got 16 receptions on the season. As far as I'm concerned, Theo Riddick might be the safest mid-range play at running back this week. Um, you know, these guys, uh, they, they could boom. They, he could boom and, and be a top five guy even. <clears throat> but that seems a little risky to me, man. That's pushing no, no, it. <laughs> I, no, I agree. Like I said, I, he's a top 15 guy, I think, for sure. I, I just think it's like you said, like these matchups don't like they don't excite me, man. Like Todd Gurley against Arizona. No, thank you. David Johnson against L.A. It's a good matchup. It's just, again, I, I think we kind of have to cap what he can do. Yeah. Um, CJ Anderson against Tampa Bay. Again, I know Tampa Bay's given up points, but they're dedicated to stopping the run. Look, there, there's, I can talk myself off of a lot of these guys. I just, but when I look at Theo Riddick and his skill set against Chicago, I just, I find it, I, I'm finding it hard to convince myself that he's not going to get 15 to 20 touches uh, a game or in this game in week four. All right, James, let's jump over to wide receiver now. And I'm liking what I see a lot better here. There's a lot of sneaky plays that you could plug in late. And then some of the top end guys also have some nice matchups. I want to start with Jameson Crowder. I already mentioned him a little bit earlier. He's a reception hog. He's going up against Cleveland. James, how do you like him this week? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm surprised by how many targets that he's getting there in Washington, um, considering they have some really reliable guys. Um, Pierre Garçon has absolutely fallen off. It's Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, and then Jameson Crowder. So I'm surprised. Yeah, you know, it's hard to trust a guy who's never really done it. And I know that he's been getting a lot of looks, uh, at least in the early part of the season. But, gosh, it's just it's hard for me to trust an undersized speed guy, especially when they already have an undersized speed guy who's better than him in Deshaun Jackson. And Jordan Reed, too, I'm surprised by how little they've looked to him. So – I, don't know, I feel like a change in the offense is coming at some point, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm basing that off of totally not off the numbers, but just off of like <laughs> common sense and like how the offense was run last year. Yeah, he's a, he's a superb route runner. I mean, there's a reason he's getting all these targets, but you're right. It is hard to trust someone like him. Who's someone in that range that you trust this week? 
uh, in that 30s to 40 range. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I actually wrote about Terrell Pryor and told people not to pick him up, and I apologize profusely for that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Before last week, he had a 30% catch rate uh, on the season and a 35% catch rate for his career. So yeah. – he is, to me, the skill set wasn't there. I know he's an athletic freak, and that's what we saw. Is This guy is Cordell. He looked like Cordell Stewart out there. I really like what I've been seeing there. Devontae Parker, to me, is very interesting, too. Uh, again, on the road against Cincinnati on Thursday night, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, there, there could be a little bit of trouble there. But, you know, ever since he's gotten healthy, Devontae Parker has been an unbelievably reliable wide receiver. Um, and I know that, you know, he's not a, a big name. And I know everyone thinks Miami's offense is a disaster, which it is. But that being said, uh, you just can't ignore the skill set and you can't ignore the opportunities. And quite frankly, you just can't ignore the fantasy production. So yeah. uh, I know it's not a great matchup uh, in the jungle there, but I don't know. He's been so unbelievably consistent that – it's hard for me not this to to if he's a a flex player for you, I just throw him out there and see what happens. Yeah, I would too. Another guy for me, Steve Smith, going against Oakland. I already mentioned Joe Flacco. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Steve Smith is going to get those those targets in. Right. That's exactly what I'm looking for in a flex play. I think oh, he's, he's a so safe angry. play. He's so angry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was so much trash talk at the end of at the end of uh, Baltimore's last game. He's so he's so angry. <laughs> That's not a guy you want to get angry either. <laughs> One more wide receiver that I'm really fond of this week is Kevin White, and I feel like I'm talking about him every week. But if you look at him, he's number 15 in the NFL in, in targets. He's getting a lot of looks. He's getting more looks than Alshon Jeffrey. We know he has a great athletic profile, and look, he's got to find himself a little bit. He's uh, new to the league. This is his rookie year, but it's a good matchup at home against Detroit. Brian Hoyer's not a bad quarterback. And I just think seeing him all the way down at 51, that is way too low for me. Uh, I would agree uh, with parts of what you're saying. Brian Hoyer is a bad quarterback, but for fantasy <laughs> purposes, he's not a bad quarterback. I know I know a lot of people are, are, were worried about when Jay Cutler went down about, oh, Brian Hoyer. Look, Brian Hoyer, again, not a good real-life quarterback. Um, that is true. But for fantasy purposes, it doesn't matter. He feeds guys like targets repeatedly. He is not a, hey, let me spread it around type of guy. That's yeah. not Brian Hoyer. I got to think Alshon Jeffrey was was dealing with an injury, you know, and that was kind of a reason why, uh, I don't know, they were trying to move him around a, a little bit on the field, but you, you know you're right. Brian Hoyer locked in on Kevin White and just force-fed him balls. Were they accurate? No. Were they good targets? No. <laughs> But it doesn't matter for the purposes of fantasy. He was getting the targets. And I 100% agree with you. Seeing Kevin White in the 50s, to me, makes no sense. When you put Kevin White in the 50s, you're saying he's not playable. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, even if you were in a three-wide receiver league, you're almost saying he's not even a flex play almost. That's insane. No. I mean, we've got Victor Cruz and Tavon Austin above him in the rankings. That is nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. Come on, dude. No, come on. That, that's that's insanity. That is just. I mean, Mike Wallace is thirty. No, I want yes. no no part of that. Nope, I want no part of that at all. I mean, Tajay Sharp is a good player, but at Houston, nope. Want, I don't want a piece of that. 
Quincy Anunwa has been nice and everything, but at or versus Seattle, no thanks. Yeah, it's like I mean, yeah. So it just, I mean, come on, you know, like give me give me some Kevin White shares against Detroit. It's gonna, it, it feels like it can be a high scoring game or at least a game that's gonna push into the high twenties. Yeah, man, Kevin White's gonna see anywhere between you know, like seven to twelve targets. It's given that target share. Against Detroit, it's almost impossible that he's not a, a top 40 wide receiver, yeah. if not a top 20 wide receiver if he gets into the end zone. Yep, yep, you're exactly right. You, you talked about Mike Wallace, and I just want to say how crazy this 34 ranking is. I mean, he's he's not as talented. He's a talented wide receiver, but he's not as talented as Brashard Perryman, and Perryman's getting just as many snaps, and he's ranked 82. <laughs> it's, just, it's just because of all these touchdowns in the first couple of weeks and it doesn't make that much of a difference it's going to regress and right. Perryman's going to get more and more snaps it's just crazy to me yeah you know if you the thing about what 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 i consider when i consider a guy quote unquote strong player where i for almost every player i almost ignore touchdowns i, I mean there's certain guys like eric decker who get like a ridiculous yeah. uh, amount of shares in the red zone but other than those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like when it comes to wide receivers, it's just like, let me think about their offense and, and then their target share. And, and, and basically, what does that mean? Like high quality opportunities. That's basically what I'm looking at, right? Like I don't even care how many touchdowns they've scored really. Yeah. Um, and it's to your point, like, okay, Mike Wallace has scored some touchdowns, but to, us, to basically assume that that's the case moving forward, I think is – not the right way. And that's not the, the, the way I kind of look at wide receivers. Anyways. Touchdowns hardly correlate with, with future projections. It, it's just, you know, it, yeah. it's am- amateur to imagine that it will. I agree. James, let's jump over to the listener mailbag. I've got two questions for sure. you. And then our next guest, we're going to have some more questions for the listener mailbag. First question comes from James in Idaho. And he wants to know, should I sell high on, on Blount, Marvin Jones, and or Stefan Diggs? Or are they are their breakouts legitimate? First of all, it is amazing that you have these, these three breakout guys in your team. Well done. Yeah, well done, dude. Seriously, that's that's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid back end of your roster. There's no question. I mean, unless that's the top end of your roster, then your team probably sucks. But um, <laughs> but no, look, sell high on blood. There's no question. Once Tom Brady comes back, he's gonna he's gonna fall by the wayside. It's a you know it's a pass heavy yeah. offense. Tom Brady doesn't really favor Legarrette Blunt. They've been leaning on him ex- exclusively because they've had new uh, quarterbacks to roll out, and they're trying to protect them somewhat, which makes a lot of sense. But I think once Tom Brady comes back, I don't, I don't see Legarrette Blunt. I mean, he's a ma- he'll be a matchup based flex play at best, but he will not. I repeat, he will not be a top. Well, what is he right now? A top two running back in the league? Like, no, that's not Legarrette Blunt, man. Um, so sell high on him. Marvin Jones and Stefan Diggs. I mean, what can I say? I, look, Mar- I love Marvin Jones, so no, I wouldn't sell high on him. I, I think he's gonna. I think he'll finish the year as a top ten wide receiver. You want to? If you wow. can sell Marvin Jones as as a top ten wide receiver, then yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, I don't mind selling off the potential if you're getting that value in- yeah. back. Okay, that's fine. In terms of Stefan Diggs, I really like him. I think he's a very talented player. I was super high on him coming out of Maryland. I know some of my colleagues were not. That being said, 
I think last year Diggs was not being utilized correctly. I think this year they're they're moving him around a hell of a lot more, um, and they're moving him around the formation, which is wonderful, which is great, and I think that suits his skill set. He's not the kind of guy that's going to always beat you on the outside. That's just not his game. But he's a great possession receiver, and I just and I love the overall skill set, and I love the way they're utilizing him in the offense. It's just the quarterback play scares the living bejesus out of me, right? So. Diggs is a tough guy to sell. And if you have him, if you can get a good part back to maybe fill a roster hole, all right, do it. But, you know, I don't know if you're going to get that guy. So um, I would shop him, see what you can get. And if you can get good value, do it. But um, overall, I like what he's doing in the offense. Those are probably three of the top sell high guys in the league, but I want to talk about some of the buy low candidates. I already talked about Kevin White. He's a major buy low right now. Yep. Um, I'm trying to buy him in every league. I don't own him, but I drafted him in a lot of leagues. So, yep. so that's not many leagues. Who's another buy low candidate you like, James? Oh, gosh. Um, it, it's it's interesting. You know, like somebody like Tyler Lockett, um, yeah. I know has not been doing great. And I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of, target share he's going to have moving forward. But I know the talent is legit and the offense last year absolutely exploded as well in the back half of the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar to that this year as well. But yeah, uh, he's, he's somebody that I would definitely target um, as a buy low candidate. I'm buying low on Jordan Reed, but Jordan Reed hasn't been in the end zone yet. Uh, He's got 190 yards, 16 receptions. He's the same player he was last year. It's like we talked about with touchdown regression. He's going to regress in a positive way. He's going to start picking up these touchdowns. And uh, I I like him a lot the rest of the season. I can buy low on him right now. Yeah, I do. That's a great call. That's an absolute great call. Um, and, And I know somebody's probably not feeling too great about Jordan Reed either, especially considering that he's not really a name. Yeah. You know, like people in fantasy know him, but it's not like he's a name. All right, James. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. I really appreciate you coming on. Always fun talking to you and looking forward to doing it again. All right. Great. We'll do. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, James. Take care. I just built my Millionaire Maker lineup over at DraftKings, and I've got Blount plugged in again at just $5,000 against that broken down Bills front seven. Make sure to hop on over and build a lineup for yourself because there's over a million dollars in total prizes up for grabs this weekend at DraftKings.com, the destination for week one fantasy football. That means no season-long commitments. Play when you want with the players you want. Just pick your contest, draft your team, and follow the action live. Use the code CARRY at DraftKings.com now and play free with your first deposit. That's CARRY, C-A-R-R-Y, to play free for your share of over a million dollars in total prizes this weekend. Only at DraftKings.com. Eligibility restrictions may apply. See site for details. And we're now joined by Greg Smith of 2QBs.com, and we're going to finish answering questions about the listener mailbag, and then we're going to make some bold predictions for the week. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us. Um, We've got some good questions on the listener mailbag, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um, There's some real fun ones, and if you guys are listening and you want to send questions to the listener mailbag, you can email me, bobby at fantasypros.com, or tweet me, at bobbyfantasypro. All right, the first question comes us from George in Tennessee, and he wants to know, he has Jimmy Graham, Dennis Pitta, and Eric Ebron at tight end. Who should he start this week? 
That is a good question. It's tough. Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham has that pedigree, uh, but he's probably the least appealing choice to me. I know that, uh, you know, people associate a lot of value with that name brand, but I do worry about his health. I worry about him staying healthy, uh, coming back from uh, that injury. And Russell Wilson's injury has to be a concern as well. So he's out for me. It comes down to Pitt or Ebron. And, you know, I think Pitt is the choice for me. I, I feel like he's a more stable source of production. Uh, he's going to have a, a more predictable target share going forward. Um, so he's the guy I target, which is kind of insane considering where we were at at the beginning of the season on all three of these guys. Yeah, Greg, I agree with you. It's definitely Pitta this week. Uh, he's number five in our ECR, and we've got Ebron down at number seven. And we have Jimmy Graham all the way down at number 12. The question I have for you, George, why in the world are you carrying three tight ends on your roster? I mean, uh, I, I I understand these are all players that probably should be owned in, in every league. Maybe not Graham. He did have the one nice week, and there's some upside there. So I can understand owning him, but I would definitely cut down to one if I were you. I can understand if someone wants to carry two because they've got someone like Pitta and Ebron, who are both, um, you know, Ebron has some high upside and Pitta's been solid, but you cannot carry three tight ends on your roster. That's just wasting roster space, in my opinion. It might just be a situation where his team got bit real bad by the injury bug and, and the league is so deep that there weren't viable running backs or wide receivers to pick up. I mean, that happens sometimes. The problem is, is like you said, you can really only feasibly start one of these guys, maybe two if you have a flex every week. So Carrying more than two is probably a mistake. Yeah, I would try to. It's probably late for this in the week, but I would try to sell Jimmy Graham just based on the week he had. And maybe someone in your league will buy it. But if not, cut ties with him. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, if he explodes, you can you can write back to me an angry email. But I don't think that's probably going to happen. He was not very good last year. And that was even before the injury. You could sell any of them, really. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a really fun question. It's from Mike in Oregon. If Kurt Warner... Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, and Tim Tebow all signed tomorrow in the NFL. Who would be the best quarterback the rest of the season? Wow. Uh, read them back to me. I heard. I remember Favre, Tebow, who else? Peyton Manning and Kurt Warner. Uh, I'll just take Manning. He's played the most recently. And, you know, I mean, we saw him limp through last season but he still got through it and his team won the super bowl so uh, i think he's the pretty obvious choice to me there <laughs> i think peyton manning is um is way too smart to be slinging the ball all around the yard and kurt warner is too i mean he's a, he's a big time thinker brett Favre, he's, he's a smart guy but when it comes to playing football you know he's going to put up 35 passes a game and uh it doesn't matter who signs him if he signed with uh the los angeles rams and they had all those horrible wide receivers they have Brett Favre would find a way to be fantasy relevant. I mean, he would just throw the ball so much. He'd throw plenty of interceptions, sure. But, uh, you know, he's staying on the field and, and he's going to rack up those yards and, and touchdowns. Yep. The classic gunslinger, right? Yeah. All right. Brian from West Virginia. He says, when I'm looking for the best streaming wide receiver, what strategy should I employ? It kind of depends on what your goal is with the streamer. Are you just trying to get a solid source of, you know, four to seven fantasy points? Because uh, if you're doing that, you just want to go after the guys who are garnering the most targets from their quarterbacks. But likely if you're streaming the wide receiver position, you're more looking for that that big boom bust upside, you know, that that potential for a huge week catch along touchdowns, you know, uh, the Kenny Stills type Um that that's probably the way I'd look at it. Uh, the one thing I would say is you should try to 
exploit matchups maybe where, uh, you know, second cornerbacks aren't as good as the top cornerbacks and, you know, maybe uh, one receiver is going to receive all the attention, like say Allen Robinson this week and what that might mean for Allen Hearns. But, you know, Allen Hearns is obviously owned. So you have to apply that sort of thinking to worse offenses, essentially the guys where the second and and third wide receivers are going to be available on waivers. To me, so much of it comes down to game script and snap count. If you have both those two things going for you, even if your name's Teddy Ginn, who I think is is a sneaky play this week in deep leagues, just because he's on the field so much more. He's on the field more than Funchess, um, and they're going to be passing the ball a lot. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. And, uh, you know, you could even take away the names. You could take away a lot of the athletic profile. And if you're streaming, I think you're going to find plenty of plays with that. Now, obviously, you have that information with the athletic profile and the names and the pedigree. Um, so you might as well use it to your advantage. But I think those are far and away the two most important things. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I, I don't know. So much of it just comes down to opportunity, like you said. Are they getting the targets? And they, that, that's what really matters the most. One instance of this for me. I'll throw a name out there, is Michael Thomas. You know the Saints are going to play a lot of wide receiver three sets. Uh, They're going to get San Diego, who's been pretty bad against the pass, even though they have red on their team. Drew Brees is going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to be on the field. We know that Michael Thomas is going to be on the field. And that game script, man, it's going to be a high-scoring game. So I love Michael Thomas this week for that reason. Yeah, a guy that I was looking at just earlier today as a very, very you know deep streamer, uh, if you're desperate, truly desperate, is uh, Andrew Hawkins of the Cleveland Browns. Um, They are going to be pretty big underdogs this week at Washington. And Washington has been, uh, you know, fairly, they've been fairly susceptible, you know, to the big play. And uh, that does bode well for Terrell Pryor. But if if they start to key on Terrell Pryor, that's going to give a little bit more space for a guy like Andrew Hawkins to operate, who's playing, you know, in the stead of Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman, who are both going to miss this game. I like that call a lot, Greg. I haven't heard anyone else use that name, and it makes a lot of sense to me. They're going to be they're going to be playing from behind. You can be sure of that. And uh, you know, maybe he'll even catch some passes from Terrell Pryor. Oh, uh, we can only hope. <laughs> All right. Next question comes just from Eric in Louisiana, and he wants to know what's going to happen when Charles comes back, and now that Le'Veon Bell's back, what happens with Spencer Ware and D'Angelo Williams' value in fantasy? Yeah, where's an interesting case? You could envision a scenario where that Chiefs backfield just starts to look like the Falcons backfield does now, where kind of both running backs get used interchangeably, it, it, as opposed to a situation like New England, where, you know, you have your LeGarrette Blunt clear running plays and your James White clear passing plays. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I think it really hurts where's value and Charles's value because they're both clearly good and they're both clearly going to play. Um D'Angelo Williams is a little bit more interesting. I, I think that he becomes just a handcuff when Bell's back. I think they're going to run Bell into the ground again. The problem is, is they might just run him into the ground, like literally run him into the ground, hurt him again. And uh, that does make D'Angelo Williams probably remaining to be one of the elite handcuff backs in, in the league. Um, we could see some blowout games where D'Angelo Williams merits some flex consideration, you know, where you might look at the game script or, or a, approximate the game script and determine that you know the Steelers should win this handily and eventually they'll want to get Bell out of there um yeah it'll be interesting to see how those play out yeah I I was thinking if the draft was today where would I take these guys and I think back Charles Sims was the top handcuff running back that was being drafted and he was being drafted in the mid 80s so we're talking ninth round if you're in a 10-team league I would take either of these guys over Charles Sims so 
Um, you got to hang on to them. There's no doubt about that. As far as being a flex play, I would just wait and see. Um, I would wait and see how, what kind of uh, touches both these guys are getting once once everyone comes back. But this week, I think Spencer Ware is startable. In fact, I heard a report to Jamal Charles is almost definitely not going to play. Uh, so if that's the case, Spencer Ware is start worthy again. But when they do come back fully, wait and see, and uh, maybe then plug him into your flex. Yeah, I think you have to consider Spencer Ware every week until we not only see Charles come back and play, but play well. Uh, if Charles looks at all dinged up or at all slow, then Ware's going to continue to merit more carries than he does. And, you know, that that just means that Ware's going to hold value for a while. Nick from South Carolina has me thinking with this question. He wants to know, Sterling Shepard and Terrell Pryor have been great so far, but are they matchup proof? Matchup proof is tough. I don't think anyone's truly matchup proof, but I think that Sterling Shepard is closer to that than Terrell Pryor. Uh Again, like we talked about with wide receiver streaming earlier, targets are a very important part of a wide receiver's production, and and they're there for Shepard. Pryor, on the other hand, has them now, but we do know that Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman are eventually coming back. Barnage is starting to reestablish himself a little bit, and their quarterback play is probably going to be a little spotty. I don't feel great about Terrell Pryor maintaining this value. This is probably a good time to sell him, especially if he does have a big week. on Sunday against uh, Washington. So, yeah, I, I prefer Shepard as more of a, you know, a consistent source of fantasy points moving forward. Um, not so much with Pryor. Now, if, if the draft was today, where would you take Shepard? Has his stock improved a lot? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, we were just kind of waiting to see if it would happen, if it would click with him. And it did. Uh, it's clear that, you know, opposing defenses are keying on Odell Beckham Jr. as well. And, and that's definitely opened up space for Shepard to operate. Uh, I think that, I mean, I wouldn't draft him super high, but I, I think that he's probably in that fifth or sixth round consideration for me. Yeah, I'm looking at his targets right now. He has more targets than Randall Cobb. Well, Cobb's been one of the biggest disappointments this season, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, he really has. Uh, I like Sterling Shepard a lot going forward. You guys all know I was tooting his horn uh, during the preseason, and I'm even more impressed with him than I thought I would be. So um, Sterling Shepard, if you can get him in your league, I, he hasn't made a lot of noise because he hasn't been scoring touchdowns, but I think you could buy him now and he's going to be worth more than his value for what you'll have to trade. The next question comes from Michael in North Carolina, and he says, I don't have a lot of depth and I want to trade up for stars. Who's going to be the best rest of the season running back? Uh, for me, I'm just going to take the chalk and go with David Johnson. I think honorable mention is definitely Le'Veon Bell, but um, like we talked about with D'Angelo Williams, Bell is an injury concern. Uh I, I think that David Johnson has proven that whether the Cardinals are winning or not, uh, game script independent, he is just going to be a beast this year. Uh, active in the receiving game and the rushing game, uh, he's the pick for me. Yeah, I think David Johnson's the uh, the pretty clear choice for most people. I've been on the Ezekiel Elliott bandwagon from the beginning. I still think that he's, uh, if not the most talented running back in the league, I, I think he's going to come into that. Um, and he's just behind that, that great situation in Dallas where they've got that offensive line. Their schedule's not very strong. And uh, so I think Elliott's going to end up being the number one. In terms of who has the most value, I think it's without a doubt David Johnson. So if you can find a way to get David Johnson in your team, I don't care if you have to trade you know, three mid-tier players. If you have that depth you're talking about, that, that is a great pickup. You can really trust him. Yeah, those are always the types of trades you want to make is giving up you know three quarters for a dollar. Um, with regards to Zeke, I, I feel you on that. I think that he is going to be very good moving forward. I have him on a couple of rosters myself. But 
My concern with him is that Alfred Morris is still there, uh, that as defenses maybe start to figure out Dak Prescott a little bit more as the season progresses, that they'll start to be able to stack the box a little heavier against the run. Um, so those are my primary concerns with Ezekiel Elliott. With that said, he's talented enough. And like you said, that offensive line is good enough for him to uh, you know, really make that happen. He could be the running back one. And then finally, Brian from Oklahoma says, what in the world should I do with this Vikings backfield and Falcons back backfield? Oh, where do you want me to start? I actually think it's pretty easy <laughs> with uh, the Falcons backfield, to be honest. I, I think you play both of them for now. It seems like both of them are being used in running and passing situations, uh, game script independent, which is very important with a running back. And I mean, you might be able to to look at certain matchups and say, OK, the Falcons are a big underdog here. Maybe we'll see less Coleman and more Freeman as a pass catcher. But it doesn't seem like the Falcons are going to use them that much. I think they're both, you know, RB2 slash flex plays every week. Um, the Vikings, that's tougher. I, I think that it's fair to maintain, you know, high or high-ish expectations for McKinnon. I mean, the opportunity there is huge. You know, he shouldn't be too script dependent because he's active in the passing game. On the other hand, that offensive line is a mess. Uh, you can't expect big things for him against, you know, good defenses. But I don't know. I'm still cautiously optimistic about McKinnon. I think that, you know, he's probably worth playing this week. Uh, he'll probably be with, worth playing against, you know, middling to bad defenses going forward. Um, Asiata is just like a touchdown bingo play to me. If if you want to gamble on him getting six points in a week, sure, play him. But those aren't the types of players I want to roster. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. You might as well pick up some random fullback and just cross your fingers that he gets a touchdown. It's the same same kind of thing, in my opinion. Yeah, like John Kuhn last week. Yeah, I think uh, McKinnon's clearly the best talent in that backfield. If he was in a better situation, if he was on virtually any other team, if you watch this guy play, he can be an RB1 someday. He is very, very good. But what they have going on in Minnesota where he's playing these, these tight games, Asiata is going to get a lot of carries because he fits into those circumstances. Whereas McKinnon's just kind of, uh, you know, he's a home run hitter. Uh, he's a lot smaller of a player. And, and they're playing these big physical games. And I, I just don't think he fits, especially behind that beat up offensive line. So this week, I'm not playing McKinnon. You guys all know who, who who listen to the show. I love Jarek McKinnon, but against that defense, I'm just not so not so sure he's a great play at this point. Now the Falcons, that's a completely different story. You hit the nail on the head. Coleman's ranked number five right now in standard leagues. Devontae Freeman's ranked number thirteen. You you have to play them both. They're both so good. That offensive line is second to only Dallas, and it might even be first. That offensive line is very good. So. Um, it's really exciting what they have going on in Atlanta. And I'm really curious to see how it's going to play out the rest of the season. Yeah. Getting back real quick to what you were saying about McKinnon. You're right. It's, it's easy for opposing teams to game plan for him and they're going to game plan for him because he is that explosive talent. You know, every defensive coordinator is going to know where Jerick McKinnon is on every snap if he's in the game. And, you know, if they're stacking the box against the run anyway, because Sam Bradford's the quarterback, then, yeah, McKinnon's going to have to really excel to, to you know take advantage of that situation, even though the opportunity is large. So, Greg, you're doing so well in our expert accuracy rankings right now. Well, I and, was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you were number three going into the week. Um, you were top 10 two consecutive weeks out of 140 experts, which is just amazing. I, I cannot believe you pulled that off. Um, but now you're you're down at what? I think number 23, which is still incredibly high out of 140. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say here. We're going to make some bold predictions for week four. We're going to make one per position. I'll start us off just to give you a taste of what we're looking for 
or at least what I have in mind for it. You can take it whichever way you want. Sure. I've already talked about this a little bit with James Coe. I have Matt Ryan just obliterating the Panthers secondary. The Panthers secondary is very bad. Their pass rush is, is their strength, but I think that Atlanta Falcons offensive line, like we already talked about, I think they can hold off the pass rush and Matt Ryan's playing great football right now. Julio Jones is more healthy than he's been all season. I think he's on his way to being a top five quarterback again this week against the Panthers defense. Yeah, I kind of like the call. It's definitely bold. I, I, you're right about one thing. The way to attack the Panthers defense is through the air. They're they're super stout against the run. Um, you know, losing Josh Norman, while Norman was probably a little overrated, that is a, a big blow to that defense. And I could see a, a scenario where Matt Ryan does, you know, torch those guys. But uh, I don't know if I'd bet on it. But that's what makes it so bold. <laughs> I definitely would not bet on it. All right. So I got one for you. Um, because I can't say that Julian Edelman will be a top 10 quarterback this week because he won't have quarterback eligibility. I've got to, you know, slink a little bit lower, um, you know, hat tip to my site partner, uh, Sal Stefanelli with Julian Edelman as a QB. That would be so great. Um, but anyway, I'm going to say Travone Boykin is a top 20 quarterback. Now, this really doesn't impact a lot of one QB leagues, but, you know, I got to rep that two QB brand and uh, give a shout out to the guy who's probably going to play for Russell Wilson this weekend. Uh, that, that's how I feel about it. You know, he's talented. I, w- I watched him play and he seems like a guy that the more snaps he gets, he can really fit into a starting role in the NFL. Now, he's not going to be any kind of top end guy. He'll probably be mediocre if that. But I think he can start in the NFL. He looked good. Yeah, I mean, I, this is more just a call about me saying Russell Wilson isn't going to play. I, I don't know if Travon Boykin is actually that good, but the Seahawks are the type of team kind of like New England where they just draft and, and play good players and they put players in situations where they're going to succeed. And I could see that happening for Boykin this weekend. You know, I will say this. Pete Carroll came out today and said that Russell Wilson's perfectly fine. He's on track to return week four. No doubt about it. I don't trust him at all. He lied to us last week about Thomas Rawls. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> no, you never should trust any coach when they say stuff like that. I mean, there's no incentive for the Seahawks to play Russell Wilson this weekend if he's at all dinged up. And that division is is such a mess. Like Arizona is the only good team there, but they're struggling. So there's no need to rush Wilson back. They might as well see what they got in Travon Boykin. I, I, yeah, I'm 100% with you. You know, and then the, uh, the New York Jets have to prepare for Russell Wilson just in case he plays and that screws everything up for them. Yeah, so I mean, that's the, that's the gamesmanship. That's the whole reason they say stuff like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that that is happening. I, I like that call a lot. Let's move on to running back. I already talked about Ezekiel Elliott a little bit. But I think this week he's going to put up the top fantasy game so far this season for a running back. I just love this matchup. I watched him play with so much more confidence last week, too, and he is ready to just explode onto the scene. He has as much athleticism as anybody, and he's going up against that San Francisco defense. I really like this a lot. He's probably going to get 25 carries, maybe even 30 again. They love feeding him the ball, and he he's going to go crazy. I'm calling 180 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, I like it. I hope you're right. I have him on a bunch of rosters. <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> All right. What do you All got right. for us? I'm going to say that Kenyon Drake is a top 20 running back this week. And I, I know we saw Jay Ajayi score that winning touchdown in OT. It was kind of a gimme, though. And, and we know that the Dolphins aren't very enamored with Jay Ajayi. But 
you know, I just I think that Drake is the guy they want to play. They drafted him this year. Uh, the Bengals have been stout against the run in general, but running backs have been pretty efficient against them as receivers. And that's Drake's game. He's going to catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, I, I think that this is just an interesting spot for him where they may be playing from behind. Uh, they are underdogs against Cincinnati. Um, Drake's my guy. I'm really curious to see what the Dolphins do with that backfield this week. Drake clearly was the best player there. Now, we all know NFL coaches don't always do what makes sense to us, the fantasy experts. But, uh, you know, if they if they do what makes sense, Drake is going to get 15 carries and he's going to be uh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a solid running back and I could definitely see him in the top 20. That's pretty bold, but I could definitely see it happening. Maybe it's not bold enough. Maybe I should have said top 10. Top 10. That would that'd be crazy, man. I would have had to put the PPR qualifier on there, though. If, if that happened, you would have had me talking in like a really high pitched voice because I would have been really <laughs> excited about it. Well, we'll see. I'm going to make the craziest call of the week. And, and that's really saying something after I'm saying Ezekiel Elliott's going for 180 and two touchdowns. I already hit on Kevin White and why I like him so much. He's all the way down at number 51 wide receiver in ECR, but he's going to get so many targets. He's going to keep getting targets from Brian Hoyer. His athletic profile. I, look, I love Alshon Jeffrey, but if we're talking athletic profile, Kevin White has a better one. He's just a better athlete. That's all it comes down to. They're going to Detroit. It's going to be a high-scoring game. And uh, I like Kevin White a lot this week. I like him so much that I'm projecting him to be a top 10 wide receiver this week. Yeah, I like that call, especially because Alshon Jeffrey is hurt. Um, I mean, or questionable at least. He'll probably play. But, you know, if he does have to leave the game, uh, that, that's a really good opportunity for Kevin White um, in a potential catch-up mode or potential shootout mode, really, with Detroit. You know, and we see these wide receivers every week who are, uh, you know, Terrell Pryor, what was he ranked mid 40s last week? And he broke out and was uh, the number two wide receiver. That kind of stuff happens every week. So it's just a matter of who it's going to be. And I think this week it's Kevin White. Yeah, I like that call. Um, mine's probably equally dubious, but I'm going to go with Tyrell Williams will be a top five receiver this week. Ooh. Uh, he's got a real sweet matchup uh, against the Saints. Uh, I might even predict that he does it again next week against Oakland. Uh, but. He's the most prototypical receiver on the Chargers. Rivers throws to him a lot already, uh, you know, as kind of an unproven rookie. Uh, that's proof enough for me, to be honest. And you can see that trust there between Rivers and Williams. Um, the matchups are just really good. You know, New Orleans and Oakland, uh, we, we saw what receivers have done to both of those teams in the first three weeks. It's it's time to jump on board the Tyrell Williams bandwagon if you haven't already. He's number 28 ECR. And I have to admit it, Greg, when I saw that, I wasn't believing it whatsoever. I'll be honest, though. I have not seen this guy play uh, very often. I, you know, I've seen some highlights, but I haven't sat down and watched film. I don't know what to think of him. I know that Philip Rivers has made much more obscure people than him. Uh, fantasy relevant. That's just what Philip Rivers does. Um, the New Orleans Saint defense is so, so, so bad um, that I would not be the least bit shocked if him or someone even more obscure goes for uh, top 10 wide receiver points. Oh, yeah, it could be Dontrell Inman or even Travis Benjamin. I, I just like Williams because he is that more prototypical wide receiver. He's a little bigger uh, and I don't know. He has looked good in, in the in the games that I've watched. All right. And then tight end. I know I was just talking down on Jimmy Graham because, you know, he, he was not the best tight end on that team. But I have Jimmy Graham as the number one tight end this week uh, just because I really like what I saw last week. Boykin was passing him the ball and Russell Wilson, for whatever reason, doesn't trust him to pass him the ball. Jimmy Graham was lining up in the slot more often than he ever has in his career last week. 
And this this might be a new thing that teams are going to have to adjust to. But until they do, I think he's a real good option. Yeah, he's had the injury problems and he's probably not going to last the full season. He's just probably not. But if you're betting on him to last one week, sure. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely happen. They're going to New York. Fitzpatrick is not going to throw six interceptions. He's going to do uh, a, a, lot, a lot better than that. And I think Jimmy Graham is, is going to get the ball. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see him being the number one tight end this week. Once again, I'm not betting on it, but we're going bold predictions here. And he's the type of guy who could do that. Yeah, it backs up my Travon Boykin theory. I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm working together. Yeah, well, and, and the Jets are really stout against the run. So Seattle, whether they like it or not, is going to have to pass to some extent. And when it comes to, you know, young or or raw quarterbacks, you have to like those guys who are running the shorter, more intermediate routes. And that's Jimmy Graham is the tight end. That's um, maybe CJ Prosize out of the backfield. Um, I mean, Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse will run, run plenty of slants, I'm sure. But I think, yeah, Graham, Graham's a good choice this week. I think uh, until he proves that he's not healthy, you have to think that he'll be fine. Um, for me, I'm going to say that Julius Thomas not just finishes as a top 10 tight end, but finishes as a top 10 receiver in general. So out of wideouts and wide receivers or uh, wideouts and tight ends, I'm going to put Julius Thomas in the top 10. I think that the Jags are going to take a, a page out of New Orleans notebook. Uh, we saw what Kobe Fleener did uh, to the Colts last week and this is a, a spot where i really like julius thomas um i think that it it pays for defenses to key in on Allen robinson and try to take him away uh, because he is such a safety blanket for blake bortles uh, bortles is going to have to look elsewhere uh for receivers and against a bad pass defense i think that julius thomas is going to come up huge i've got him as a top three tight end a top 10 receiver in general this week i'm so nervous about anyone in that 930 game I mean, you're traveling all across the world and then you're playing at 930 in the morning. I have no idea how people are going to respond to this. Uh, you know, the defenses might be sluggish and it, it might be like 42 to, to 39 or something crazy like that. Or maybe the offenses uh, come out and, and they're sluggish and it's a really low scoring game. I have no idea what's going to happen. But anytime you have a tight end going up against Indianapolis, it's usually a good bet. Yeah, they're the worst against tight ends by uh, Football Outsiders DVOA. All right, Greg. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was fun chatting with you, and it'll be interesting to see how some of these bold predictions work out for us. Yeah, I got my fingers crossed, man. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. Take care. For those of you listening, that's all we have for you on today's episode. Make sure to tune back in Friday or Saturday for Week 4's DFS show with guest Doug Norrie. Remember to enter the My Playbook Ultimate Sweepstakes by subscribing and reviewing on iTunes, then copy-pasting to an email. That's bobby at fantasypros.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.